be seated. Well, uh, my, I'm happy to be back. Uh, my uh, voice isn't 100% yet, but the good news is that uh, our church planter in residence, uh, Pastor uh, James Foster, was already scheduled to preach this morning, and so we get to hear uh, him bring the word. Uh, yeah. Also, it worked out great because I'm doing child dedication, and uh, this is my very kind of easygoing nursery worker kind of a voice. So it just works out perfect, right? In Psalm 127, the psalmist writes, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborer labors in vain. And unless the Lord watches over the city, uh, those who guard it stay awake in vain. In vain, they rise up early and go to sleep late, eating the food of anxious toil because he gives rest to those he, he loves. And so the, there's a dilemma set up early in that psalm. Like for those who are working for a sense of heritage, a sense of permanence, if the Lord's not in it, it's just a vapor. It's a wind. It blows away. And for those who are working for your protection, unless the Lord is in it, it's a vapor. It blows away in the wind. And for those who are rising up early, going to sleep late, eating the food of anxious toil, who are trying for some sort of provision to provide for their family, unless the Lord is in it, it's just, it's just work and toil and it's empty. And then the psalmist provides the solution and it's not what you expect. The solution is this, behold, children are a heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior or like children born in one's youth. Blessed is the one whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he contends with his enemies in the gate. So God says you want a sense of legacy, a sense of permanence, a sense of protection, a sense of provision. Have a bunch of kids. <laughs> Invest in that next generation, whether it's your own or whether it's the kids of others that you pour into. Invest in the next generation and that's how you'll build a legacy. And I thought this morning about child dedication and maybe I just thought maybe there's nothing we do that's more important than this. That we stand before our church family with our kids at our side and in our arm and we say partner with us to raise kids in a generation that is dedicated to running as far from God, as fast from God as they can. Stand with us to raise kids who will know Jesus and love Jesus and live for Jesus and tell others about Him. And so uh, we had the Barbers uh, earlier and the Galvins earlier dedicate their kids. And this hour, it's going to be uh, the Rothrocks and the Pruitts. And so I invite them to come forward, the Rothrocks and the Pruitts. All right. We got uh, Calvin being dedicated this morning. 
And uh, we have uh, Indiana and Bennett being dedicated this morning. And the parents come with something to share. So I'm not sure which one of y'all are sharing. So here you go. You had to get ask huh? if I wanted the microphone. No, I'm just going <laughs> to give it to you. Take it. Uh, yeah, so we um, obviously we want to come and dedicate Calvin uh, just in front in front of the Lord, but also in front of our church family, you know, I was blessed to actually grow up in this specific church family. And so I know from firsthand experience that it takes the church, the whole church investing into somebody to help produce godliness. And obviously the spirit is at work in that and at work in you guys too in that. And so we're thankful for that. We're thankful to be part of this church family. And so for Calvin specifically, uh, his name is Calvin Lewis. Those are very uh, intentional names, great men of God that we want him to emulate. Um, and uh, just some words that I've had on my heart for him as I've prayed for him throughout my life and even here. <laughs> Good word. And even here recently um, <laughs> has been uh, just just that the word would be written on his heart um, and that he would be a warrior for the word and that he would be a leader um, in, you know, whatever capacity God would have that in certainly. But those are just kind of the things that I've had that I felt on my heart um, for him. So uh, we just wanted to be able to do that and to get to do that with our closest friends and their closest friends too, as well um, is a blessing. So I uh, just want to say we love you, buddy, and we'll do our best. <laughs> And this is uh, Bennett, who, as you see, is incredibly handsome. <laughs> so he looks like his papa. And, uh, and Bo and Indiana. And so. Awesome. Thank you. So we're, we're dedicating uh, Indy and Bennett. Uh, Indy was born. Indy was born right before COVID started. So we kind of missed the boat on the dedication there. But uh, we're just so we're so thankful for our church. We're so thankful for. Like Joel said, we've kind of grown up in this church. We have seen your children grow up. We've prayed for your children. We've seen many come out of this church and be just lovers of the gospel, lovers of the Lord. And we just, we want the same thing. You know, we, we want, we want prayer for our children. We dedicate them today and we know that the mercy of God passes from generation to generation. So, I, I would just echo everything that Joel said, and, and what we want the most for our children is that they be warriors for the Lord, even more so than. <laughs> See, <laughs> yeah, warriors for the Lord, even more so than than we were, that the Lord would give that generational blessing to them tenfold. So, Amen. Well, y'all stay right here and. In a, in child dedication, like we're, we're committing ourselves as parents, as grandparents, as a church family, we're committing ourselves to stand together, uh, to raise children in the, uh, instruction and care of the Lord. Uh, but we're also, uh, publicly inviting our children to join us in the covenant community. Like we're, we're, we're appealing to them, like join your mom and dad, join your church family. And our prayer is that at a young age, that the spirit of God would move in their heart to see the beauty and the glory of God 
in the face of Jesus Christ and that they would respond to the message of the gospel and place their faith in him and be used by him to tell many others about him. And so to the parents here standing with the blessings of God in your arms and at your sides, you are making a deep commitment to God this day. In order to affirm that commitment, please respond with we do to the following questions. Do you as parents of these children promise to pray for them and with them that they would grow in the knowledge and love of God? Do you promise to train your children in body, mind, and soul for service to and fellowship with God? And do you promise to do all you can to lead your children to love Jesus and confess their faith in Him? And so church family, since we stand together with them, we also have a, a sacred and a holy obligation to these parents. And so I'd ask that you would respond to the following with we do. Do you promise to support these brothers and sisters as they seek the Lord's help in uh, raising their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? And do you promise and commit to live as examples of what it means to love Jesus, to know Him, to live for Him, and to tell others about Him before these little ones as they grow in our church. All right, let's pray for them and pray for Pastor James as he comes. God, thank you so much uh, for Calvin. Uh, thank you so much for Bennett and for Indy. Uh, Lord, thank you for the other kids and these families and God, just how you've blessed our church family with so many young ones. Uh, Lord, I pray that these three who are dedicated today uh, would come to know you at a young age and love you and live for you all of their days. Lord, I pray that you would use them to bring many into the kingdom by the example of their lives and by the words from their mouth as they share the gospel as they stand boldly for Him. Lord, in a generation where the world is fleeing from You, Lord, may these little ones here stand with Jesus, we pray. God, I pray You'd bless our pastor now as he comes. Lord, fill Pastor James with Your Spirit. Speak through him with Your power. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, church. My name is James Foster, and I am the pastor and church plant resident for Taylor, Texas. Uh, so excited to be here with y'all and to share with y'all this morning. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians, starting in verse 50. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and cue those up, get those ready, uh, and we'll get started. We're going to be talking about today the thing that nobody wants to talk about, uh, death. Uh, so kind of not to take the air out of the room, but it's, it's going to be, there's some big, heavy topics that we're going to talk about, but we've got a heavier hope that we're going to talk about as well. And so uh, this is going to be awesome and a fun time. We're going to talk about death. So get ready. If you need to mentally prepare, this is me uh, priming the pump there. Hey, death is coming to talk about. Okay. All right. So I hate death. My father-in-law three year, just over three years ago passed away and it's still like affects, deeply impacts our family. Uh, he was a man of God who loved the Lord, and he's with him, and we're grateful that Charlie is there uh, with him in the presence of the Lord now. But but it's been hard. We've been grieving on this side of things, right? There's still a sting that we feel when, when death 
hits us, right? I officiated a, a family funeral, a funeral for someone within my family last month. And there's going to be another one that's like looming that's on the calendar that we're like, hey, make sure you've got some dates available because this is heads up, this is coming. Uh, death is terrible. It's the worst. It's literally our mortal enemy. It, every time uh, we experience death, uh, it's just this, this bleak reminder that things are not the way that they're supposed to be, right? We see the effects of sin on our world when we see death, and it hurts. It, it, it's really challenging. And on top of that, like we are all marked by sin. Because of our, we have sin in us, we are all going to die. And that's heavy. But the effect of death, the effect of sin on the world is death. Um, and every death reminds us that, that we're so far from the garden, right? Where it was just man and woman and walking with God. And then we, we, they could walk with God in the cool of the day. And then sin entered uh, like this, this intruder that just kind of messed things up. And so whether you've lost a loved one and you haven't fully processed that, Sometimes when we talk about death, there can be like this, this extra pain that just kind of hits you. Whether you've heard a diagnosis personally or for a loved one recently uh, where death looks like it's coming. Whether you just have heard and seen and uh, you've kind of just lost count of the number of friends and family members that you love. Death is real and it's something we need to talk about. But we have the greatest hope in the world that we can even have victory over death. And so that's where, even though this is very heavy, we have this great hope that's even bigger, even better than death. So some faithless ways that we can maybe uh, approach death. Uh, there's, there's some companies I want to tell you about. One is called the Young Blood Institute. And this is fascinating because they basically offer those that are like 60 plus or just older, right? Maybe you're seeing some effects of aging that you don't like. Sorry if I called you old. Forgive me. We've got a long ser- sermon ahead of us still. Uh, if, if you've got the effects of aging, but also you've got some cash money, you can get young blood infused into your old blood that then gives life to your mortal body, supposedly. It, some doctors uh, say it's more like snake oil, like it's don't, don't trust it. What's that going to do? You're just, it's like an oil change. What are you doing? Uh, this this is weird, but you, they pay uh, 285000 to be part of the trial for a long, longer period of time. They've had kind of mixed results on how it's worked. If you just wanted to do one, it's $8,000 for the young blood infusion. Uh, maybe you could try it out and see. Fascinating stuff. There's another company taking advantage of this fear of death and hopefulness to extend life that does cryonics. And uh, cryonics or cryogenics, you can pay at least 80000 to freeze your brain in hopes that maybe at a future date, the science will come along and we can unfreeze it and then cause you to live somehow with just your brain. Or and it says at least 80,000. Like, I don't know if that means if you've got a bigger brain, you have to pay a little bit more or what exactly that means. But it's at least 80,000 for your brain or 200,000 for your whole body to be frozen. And then if the science comes along and we can figure out how to unfreeze you and then give you more life because you're still going to die, even if you're unfrozen, you're body's still mortal, you're still marked by death, uh, then maybe you might have a chance to die at a later date, right? Because you're still going to die. And then there's this other company, Nectome. And basically, you can pay 10000 just 10000 to get your consciousness uploaded digitally. They don't know how to do it yet, but <laughs> they basically take your brain 
Uh, and then they take a bunch of scans of it, and then they'll use those scans to then make it into consciousness. And then maybe at a later date, we can revive you and you can live on digitally. And if it's digitally, you probably have a good chance to live that way, however that, that is, uh, for a while. So that's great. But the catch is, this is my favorite part, you have to be euthanized to get the procedure. So they have to have your brain before it's dead, so they inject you with stuff to kill you. Uh, it's 100% lethal, uh, but people are paying for it. So there you go. So maybe some less ridiculous ways that we respond to death is, is we just fear it. We, we're, we're terrified of us dying. We're terrified of people we love dying. Uh, and we just kind of hold on to things really tightly. Uh, I have a friend who lost another friend. They're both in their 20s. And they literally didn't leave the house for months because they were so terrified of death. And they were just crippled by this fear of I'm going to die. And so I got to protect myself. Maybe you just accept it and you're like, well, we're all going to die anyway, so what's the point, right? That's not, not a healthy response. But I, I know for, for me, I've lost loved ones. Just last year, we lost a baby uh, at 17, when we were 17 weeks along in pregnancy. Last month, we found out we lost another baby. Death has haunted us. Uh, and it's, it's, these are like the hardest things that I've gone through is, is this deep loss of this child. And, and like, I didn't, I didn't know them, but I, I had prayed for them. I had such great hopes for them. I had talked to them and then it's gone. And that's the effects of sin on this world. It's not the way it should be. And it breaks our hearts. And so we need a hope that's greater than death. And so what I love about this passage is that Paul's going to give us just that by pointing us to our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you would, Let's read, starting in verse 50. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. He's saying, I tell you this, listen up. Flesh and blood, like our human bodies, they're corrupted by sin. We're broken by sin. And so uh, we can't receive all that God has for us. We can't receive the kingdom of heaven as we are. Because our bodies are perishable, they're corruptible, they're marred by the effects of sin. This is why uh, we have disease, this is why we have sickness, this is why uh, we stop being as sharp as we once were, right? We see this suffering as the effects of sin, we, can, we know that our bodies are perishable, right? It's kind of like perishable food, we can't always take to the food drive, right? Because it's not going to be good enough, uh, it's not still going to be uh, good to eat by the time it's donated, by the time it's brought to the people that need it. And then in verse 56, we see this, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Death, it has power because of sin. The reason we die is because of sin. Sin being in the world is what uh, causes people to die. The power of sin is the law. We can't keep the law. We have a problem, and this is bad news for us, right? We know Romans 6 says that the wages of sin is death. This is heavy, but sin seizes this opportunity through the law because we're given this law and our sin just rebels, sin nature just rebels against it. So though the law was given to guide us, it also shows us how woefully short we fall. And so the longer we live, the larger mountain of debt that we have as we realize that we are sinners. And so what we see from these first few verses is this, that we are hopeless against death without change. We are hopeless against death without change. We need to be changed. 
Our bodies have been uh, stained by sin and broken, and they're just, they're not how they're meant to be. And this would be a terrible place to end the sermon, right? We are without hope. We are hopeless against death without change. But thankfully, Paul goes on. Verse 51, he says this, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. This is our hope that we will be changed. We were hopeless without change, but we see this great hope that we shall be changed. He's saying, behold, listen up. This is our only hope. I tell you a mystery. It's a mystery, not like something that can't be known, but something that hasn't been revealed yet. And so that should perk our eyes up when we see the word mystery. We should say, what do I need to learn here? We shall not all sleep. We're not all, when we die, we will go. If, you, if you're in Christ, when you die, you will go and you will be in the presence of the Lord. But you will be without your body. Also not the way that it should be. And so we even... If we, even as those who have uh, passed, would hope for their body to be reunited with their bodies to get these glorified resurrection bodies, because we were made to be embodied people. This is why it's important for us to come together as a church in person, because our bodies have value. Our bodies have uh, they're they're meaningful. So it's it's important for our bodies to be uh, together. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. He's going to repeat that again in a second, in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, he's talking about this moment where the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. This is this great hope that believers have hope over death, that we will be changed. You can write, we shall be changed if you want. Uh, either way works. Believers have hope over death that we will be changed. And this, this passage for a lot of people, it can be almost fear-inducing rather than hope-inducing. That, that we will be changed because there's some unknowns here, right? Like the idea of the rapture. Uh, we get caught up in these weird details like, uh, are we uh, amillennial? Like we don't really believe in the thousand-year reign of Christ. Are we like premillennial, postmillennial, panmillennial? Like well, I don't really understand, but it's all going to pan out in the end, right? <laughs> Where, wherever you are there, I'm not discouraging studying that and going deeper in that because there's blessing for you as you study that. And you, you trust, like, that should lead you into a greater hope as you understand God's word more. However, there's so much hope right here that if you're not ready for that today, I just want to point you to the hope and say, let's figure the rest out at a Bible study later on. Some of us, maybe we have, like, left behind PTSD, right? Like, you, um, you've, maybe you've heard of or you've experienced pranks where somebody, like, leaves their clothes out, like, as if they were doing something, and then they go outside and play a trumpet, right? And you've just got this fear that comes over you because you don't understand it or because you've, you've just heard it interpreted in a way that just scares you. But what I want us to do today, church, if you're up for it, is I want us to imagine for a second what it will be like, because we don't know exactly when it will be, right? Nobody can know the date or the time. Nobody's going to know the hour, according to Jesus. But what we can know is that it's imminent. We believe that it's imminent, that Jesus is returning, that he could come back right now. And we pray for that. And so I want, I want to just imagine for a second with you what, what we will hear. 
So if you're like, I need to close my eyes to really get there, that's great. You can do that. You're welcome to do that here. We'll make a space where that's great. If you're not, that's okay. But imagine, what will we hear? We'll hear a trumpet. The trump shall resound. We'll hear 1 Thessalonians 4 talks about the Lord will call to us with the the, uh, call of a command. We'll hear his voice. And it'll be like the voice of an archangel. We'll hear saints from every tribe celebrating. Saints of old, saints of today, celebrating in their native tongue. And we'll understand it. What will we see? We'll see the dead raised to life. We'll see just this huge crowd of people where no one will be in a rush to get anywhere. But we'll all be right there where we're meant to be with the Lord. We'll see our Lord face to face. Death will be swallowed up in victory. Death's thing will be cut off. We'll feel this great joy. We might see our great, great grandmother from eight generations before who is maybe the first person to believe in your family, who prayed for you and for your kids and for their kids, the, the one who started this legacy of believers. will feel the satisfaction of all of that hope that has been deferred for far too long, finally being fulfilled in him, finally being fulfilled as we're with him. We'll feel victorious. We'll feel no pain, no sting of death. All of our broken parts will be upgraded to the glorified, resurrected body. This is our hope, church. We'll feel that it was worth it. And it'll be like we'll be walking in the garden with our Lord. Just as we were meant to be. In the presence of God, in the cool of the day, we'll be with him. I look forward to that day. Do you? I hope that that day is today. Even like mid-sermon, I hope that I don't get to finish the sermon because the Lord calls me home, calls, calls all of us together. Wouldn't that be awesome? And so uh, we see like Paul's going to continue this, this as he kind of crescendos to like this. He's building, 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 and it's going to be like this awesome thing that ends in, but thanks be to God. And so we're going to see that here in verse 53. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. We've got to take our our body as it is and trade it in for the resurrection glorified body. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? I was talking to Bobby earlier this week about this text and about these these quotes from the Old Testament. The first one is uh, Isaiah 25, death is swallowed up in victory. And I said, what do you picture with that, Bobby? Like, what, what kind of, where does your mind go with that? And he said, I think of like a small boat in the ocean and it just gets swallowed up by like massive waves. Like it just swallows it up, right? And I was like, that's, that's good, but I don't do boats and oceans. Like help me, help me more. And, and he goes, I, I also think of like death to our Lord Jesus is just like an after dinner breath mint. You put it in your mouth and it just melts away. And Bobby's a lot more poetic than me. I, was, I thought it was pretty beautiful that, that the death stung for Jesus. He takes the sting so that we don't have to. 
He takes that sting of death for us and then it's just swallowed up in his victory. And then Paul, he's like boasting using these verses from Hosea. He's boasting over death. Uh, he's like the guy who you didn't mean to invite to the watch party that's cheering for the wrong team and your team's losing. And then all of a sudden, like they're just bragging about how terrible your team is. Like, hey, where's your victory now? Where's your star player? Wh- what's going on? I thought you guys had this thing in the bag. What's, what is this? And Paul, by faith here, is rightfully boasting over death in the victory that we have secure in Jesus Christ. He's saying, death, you have, you have taunted us. You have tormented us for far too long. You have broken my heart a million times since I've been here. But you're not going to get the last word. You don't get the victory. We have the victory. So you're nothing. You're just swallowed up. You've got no sting. You're like a bear with no teeth or no claws. You're like a gummy bear, right? You're, you're like uh, a teddy bear. You've got no sting. You're like a scorpion that has its tail cut off and the, the stinger is replaced with a cotton ball. You, you, you can keep trying to attack, but you've got no power over God's people. Do you believe that? And, and this is such a hopeful text. Like we, we still feel the sting. Like my heart is still broken over all the death that I've experienced. But I've got a hope that's so much greater than that. I've got a hope that's so much bigger than that and a victory that's given to me through our God. And then he goes, uh, verse 56, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We were hopeless and helpless. We had no way to be at peace with a holy and perfect God. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We did nothing to earn it, but he freely gives it to us, to his people who would admit that, hey, Lord, I've sinned. I, I need saving. To those who would uh, just reach out and believe, Lord, I need you. Jesus, I, I know you lived the perfect life I could never live. You died the death that I deserve. You took the sting on the cross for me. So I want to trust in you. I want to live for you. And it just moves him into this like doxology, right? Like this praise break here where he's just, he's just getting into it. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the right response to the victory that we've been given. Gratitude and praise. Is your heart full of thanksgiving this morning, church? Do you know that you have the victory through our Lord Jesus? This point is this, God gives believers Jesus' victory over death. God gives believers Jesus' victory over death. I was thinking about this uh, giving the victory thing, and I thought about when I, was, when I was a kid. So I'm the youngest of five, okay? Every year we would do an Easter egg hunt, and there was like a prize egg that was like, if you won the golden egg, it was like four inches big. It was humongous. Uh, you won Easter, basically. Even God won Easter. But, you know, <laughs> you won the Easter egg hunt for the family. All right? And so when I was four, my birthday falls on Easter. And I already know that this thing is huge, right? But I'm four, and I'm the youngest, and I've got no shot. Right? And so we're doing the Easter egg hunt. And I'm, I'm a little hopeful. I'm a, I've got a little extra uh, hope that day because... Well, it's my birthday, right? And we're still celebrating me and Easter and all the things. Uh, so, so we do the Easter egg hunt and we get going. And then about 
we're, we're wrapping it up. We're towards the end, and I start to get sad because I recognize that I don't have any chance of actually winning this thing. It's going to be just like every other time where I'm too small and too slow, and uh, I've got no shot at winning, right? And I, <clears throat> I get back in the living room, which is kind of where we start and where we end, and my sister, my older sister, comes up to me, and she, she kind of gets down on my level, and she points up. And on top of this cabinet that has all of these like fancy cottage things, I don't know if they're actually valuable, but we treated like we treated them like they were the most <laughs> valuable things in the world. Okay, uh, is the golden egg, and I got really hopeful because I could see it right there. But then I remembered that I'm tiny, and that I can't actually climb up that thing, or I'm going to experience death that day. <laughs> right, and so I, I get sad again. And then my sister does something that I'll never forget. She, she comes up to me, and she puts her arms underneath me, and she lifts me up. She deserved the, the golden egg, right? She, she's the one who saw it. She could reach it on her own. I did nothing to deserve it. But she saw me in my helpless state, and she said, I want to help you. I want to lift you up, and I'm going I'm to give you my victory. And I remember the joy in her eyes as she did that, the unthinkable thing, right? Like, like that's the sweetest, like, I remember that. I'm, that was 29 years ago. I remember my sister doing this to me, doing this for me, uh, that she would give me this victory. Maybe because it was my birthday. Maybe my parents put it up, put her up to it. I don't know. Uh, but she gave me that victory that she rightfully had. And, and that's just like a sliver of the way that God gives us the undeserving the un, uh, there's no way that we can possibly earn salvation, right? The, the longer we live, the more we realize there's no way we could keep the law. That God is holy and perfect. And the longer I walk in the Lord, the more sinful I realize that I am. That my heart is dark and I, I, I want things that are opposite from him and his kingdom. And so I, I realize more and more uh, how great it is that he gave me his victory the undeserving sinner that he would call his own. God gives us his victory over death. And church, this is an awesome text also because uh, Paul wraps it up with some great application for us. And so we're going to look at verse 58. We're going to grab a few applications and then the band's going to come up and uh, we'll get out of here. He says this, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. This is our application. Be steadfast. Well, he starts with therefore. So when you see therefore, you should say, what's that therefore? He's pointing back to all of chapter 15, saying, hey, based on uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ in which I stand, that is of first importance, based on uh, the reality of Jesus's resurrection and what that means for us, based on us trading in our uh, broken, corruptible bodies for glorified bodies, based on us having victory in Jesus Christ, you are, you beloved, be steadfast, be anchored. We have a hope that cannot be shaken. Be immovable. Don't Don't be uh, tossed to and fro based on your circumstances. Even through death, be steadfast and immovable. But don't be still. Abound in the work of the Lord. 
We've got work to do, church. We want to make heaven crowded. We want to make hell empty, as empty as we can. So we got to get to work. We got to uh, get to work at, at loving him, at loving his people, at making disciples, right? At, at living out our purpose as his beloved, knowing that in the Lord our labor is not in vain. Don't give up. Even when life punches you in the face, even when it feels like, is this hopeless? No, it's not hopeless. It is not in vain. Nothing is wasted. Remember that. And so this leads me to this question. Are you living with the hope of Jesus's victory over death? Are you living with that hope? When I think of ways to kind of anchor your soul, I think of uh, scripture, right? Like read God's word and apply it to your life. But like I would challenge you specifically with this, uh, memorize a text that is like an anchor text for your soul, okay? Memorize at least one verse that is an anchor text for your soul, like something that when uh, it looks hopeless, you can point to and say, this is hopeful, right? So like Paul facing death, Philippians 1, 21, he says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's a great one if, if you might have, looking, you're looking at death. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain, Philippians 1. You might go to James, uh, James uh, 1, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Am I counting it joy when I'm facing this trial? You might go to uh, Romans 8, right? Verse 18, he says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. The suffering that I'm experiencing now, it's going to be nothing compared with the glory of Jesus's victory, compared to uh, even the stuff we talked about of, of being united with him face to face with all those uh, lost loved ones that are in the Lord. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Do you believe that? Do you believe that we're more than conquerors through him who loved us? So anchor your soul. Get to work. Get to work is the abound in the work of the Lord, right? Serve your family. Serve in ministry. Serve uh, those around you. Faithfully live out these things that we've been told through God's word. And don't give up. Like rocking your baby uh, and praying for them, it's not in vain. Getting up four times a night on a good night, it's not in vain, right? Serve your family. Love your family. Rock the babies in the nursery. Pray for them. It's not in vain. Going and doing a go trip. It's not in vain. Even if you don't see the fruit of your labor, it's not in vain. It's not wasted. God is working in you. God is working through you. And we'll see that it was worth it in the end. Nothing you do for the kingdom of God is wasted. So let's anchor our souls. 
Let's get to work. And let's not give up. Let me pray. Lord, uh, we love you and we need you. And uh, you give us victory over death. And uh, that you would love me is unthinkable to me. I'm blown away by your amazing grace and kindness to me, though I'm undeserving. Lord, you meet me and you save me and you rescue me. Would you help us to remember that as we take communion together? Would you help us to remember the blood that you shed so that we could have peace with you? Would you help us remember uh, the cost that you would pay willingly for us to be your own? Remind us of your great love. And I pray, Lord, for those uh, who are in here who maybe haven't uh, professed faith in you yet. Maybe they haven't believed in who you are yet. They they don't really understand all this, but you're doing something in their heart right now. Lord, I pray uh, that you would stir in them this desire to just reach out their hand and say, I don't understand this all yet, but I trust you and I want to trust you and I want to know your power. So would you save me? And if that's you this morning, I pray that, Praise God for you. And I also would ask if, you, if you're up for it uh, to come and talk to me or Bobby or one of the pastors up here at the end of service. Lord, uh, we love you. We need you. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to take communion. So go ahead and grab the elements and bring them back to your seat and we'll take them together. Church, the the sting of death has been taken upon our Lord Jesus so that we wouldn't have to experience that. The chastisement, he took upon himself the chastisement that brought us peace. Remember that as you take this communion. This is his body broken for you for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of him. One of the things that I really loved about the New Blood Institute idea is that they got it so close. Like if we could just get someone else's blood that could cover us so that we could live longer, wouldn't that be great? And, and isn't that exactly what we have in Jesus Christ? His blood covers us so that we can be forgiven, so that we can live forever with him. This is blood shed for you. The blood of the new covenant. Take drink. He is our living hope. Amen. And the Lord Jesus, he said in John 14, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. He's gone before us. He was raised before us so that we could be raised. He's gone before us to prepare a place for us. Our Lord is coming again. We can, we can pray, uh, even the song, uh, let heaven come, right? Uh, we, we pray for that. We're, we're longing for that. And as we long for that, let us go from here and be a people of hope. Even in, even in the midst of tragedy, we have a hope that's greater. Even in the midst of heartbreak, we have uh, our Lord, and He's greater, and He's got the victory, and He's given it to us. 
So go, church, and be a people of great hope to a world that desperately needs it. You are sent.